Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, today, my guest is Patrick Dugan from the Omni Foundation. And because Patrick's a man of many endeavors and talents, um, I'm going to kind of let him make his own intro and we'll, we'll take the direction that he wants to take because of the, the various projects he's involved in. So how are you doing, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, been a good day. I've been uh, yeah. coding and uh, in, in a pretty good momentum there. So um, my main venture these days, last year I served on the Omni Foundation board and I helped guide the uh, balance sheet of the foundation in a way that led to uh, you know a pretty good annualized return on the assets of the foundation, which uh, ultimately extended runway. Uh, we got a few key things out. Um, we got a refurbished Omni wallet with an interface for decentralized exchange trading. We got the decentralized exchange activated. And now we're moving into a phase where private funds, uh, sponsorships, joint ventures, uh, added crowd sales from other projects and so on, are coming in to uh, take that technology further. And uh, my main venture is called Blockchain Yield. We issue a bond over the blockchain uh, using the OmniLayer protocol. Uh, so that's a uh, managed smart property where um, we have a multi-sig address. Uh, we periodically uh, do grants of new bonds based on payments that have come in. Uh, so I'm in the process of automating all of these operations, uh, working with different APIs and working with the uh, RPC calls. You know how Bitcoin has a set of RPC calls. If you're a wallet developer, you got to figure right. out you know how to, how to parse the blockchain. There are calls for that. Um, Omni is basically it's a, it references the Bitcoin core client and um, and then it extends it with these other calls, which there's probably three, there's maybe like four dozen now because they're calls for uh, doing uh, raw transaction construction, which is another thing I've been working on because uh, you have to. Well, let's start, let's start with um, yeah. blockchain yields. You said you, yeah, sure. you're issuing a bond uh, yep. over the Bitcoin blockchain. So is this a smart contract because bonds pay out a, a yield periodically or what does it look like? Um, uh, just no, it is face? a... It is using the Bitcoin blockchain as a, as a ledger to manage operations and track, you know, control of assets um, backed by an underlying legal contract, basically. So um, we, so I, I searched all over the world for a regulatory uh, body that would be, you know, potentially friendly to this kind of business and, uh, you know, wouldn't have such a high barrier to entry, right? And um, I looked at the United States and the United States is, Good for some things, uh, but there's a there are higher barriers to entry, obviously. Um, and then ultimately, uh, we settled on applying to be regulated fund managers uh, under the Central Bank of Armenia. Um, also, the neighboring country Georgia is pretty interesting, and there's a little bit of a competitive thing there. So, both of these countries are trying to do innovative uh, startup type stuff and, and kind of get on the map. And um, right. Our, our guy in Armenia, our lawyer, uh, is the former head of legal at the Central Bank. So he's like, you know, he knows all those people. Yeah, so we, we kind of uh, 
we kind of did a lot of digging on, on the regulatory question, and we found a path that you know may potentially give us uh, well listing on uh, the Armenian Stock Exchange, which is the Nasdaq franchise. So you know, it's like we're going to be on the Nasdaq in Armenia. You know, it's pretty good. Okay, it's a start. Starting to start. Yeah, so we'll be listed there, and then um, you know, assuming we get so fingers crossed, we we've got all of our eyes dotted. We, you know, we we have a pretty high. Uh, confidence in this application going in and in a couple of weeks hence we're gonna we're gonna hear back about that so uh pretty exciting and that's going to basically give us a regulatory harbor where we're going to have to do some aml uh people come to the website it filters ap so we're compliant in terms of like you know we can't sell to anybody just anyone from the united states for example so we have to filter out the united states um we right. can do regulatory compliance on a country by country basis um so we can have like a staggered campaign where we do you know prospectus filings with different countries and, and then open up there and do marketing there and you know so we can kind of control that and um and then we have to follow up the email and later we'll have some nice forms uh, the way like coinbase does it maybe better hopefully <laughs> than coin coinbase's uploading is a little clunky with the passports right. personally but uh you know something to uh so the, um... base. Yeah. So but then you the can trade the token. That's the key thing. Right, yeah, let's band. get into some mechanics of the. Let's get into some mechanics of the bond. Yeah, for people that don't understand. So, you know, where is ownership recorded? Um, what if you want to buy or sell it? What about the coupon payments? Where do those go? You know, let's let's dig in a right. little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for uh, bringing that up. So, um, so Omni Protocol takes Bitcoin transactions. It adds in this little bit of data. And then it parses that data and it says, okay, here is the issuance of a token. Here's somebody sending that from A to B. Here is a Metadex trade. That was our, a big feature we activated last year. Um, and then we've got some different assets that are on the layer. So we've got like MadeSafe, that's in an 80 to $90 million market cap these days uh, with like million dollar plus volume. So that's cool. We're going to try to get some of that market share on the decks. Um, and then there's Tether, which has now as much as $44 million in tokens floating around backed by uh, Taiwanese banking. Uh, it's integrated with Bitfinex and Poloniex and a number of others. Uh, so Tether is kind of a big success. Um, so then you can use these Tether dollars, uh, which you know Poloniex uses them as a USD substitute. You can also do that with the DAX. You can trade any of these other assets against Tether dollars. You can also have myriad cross pairs. So there's right now a market for these bonds on the DAX. There's some secondary market activity. And um, so I created a multi-sig address. Uh, different uh, people involved in the operation have keys. We all, you know, sign off on on issuances. Uh, people get these tokens um, called bonds, like B-O-N-D is the ticker basically, and it's uh, smart property number 118. So that's, you know, set no limitations. It's got to be that uh, signifier. And then we do a weekly payout using the tether dollars. Um, Right now, we've been paying uh, 13, I'm sorry, 12.95% annualized. And uh, I'm right. working up an index that's going to vary based on interest rate fluctuations on the exchanges and with the swaps and so on. And um, so you'll be able to see, like, when volatility gets crazy, it'll go up. And then, like, that week, you'll end up getting a higher payout. And on average, it should end okay. up being, okay. I, think, I, think it'll I think it'll be higher. I mean, don't quote me, obviously, things can fluctuate, but... I'm pretty confident that it'll, it'll end up averaging much higher than, than that 
percentage. So the payment rate will fluctuate continuously with uh, with market conditions. Yeah, but in general, it's going to be pretty high, and um, uh, I'm working out the math, but we can include when Bitcoin goes down and there isn't a yield to be gotten from, like, let's say the Bitcoin rate goes up and um, swaps are trading at a discount, so they're not paying out a positive yield. There are ways to capture, to do an arbitrage, basically, and try to capture the uh, negative swap payments that pay you for being long, right? So as long as there's volatility, there's going to be uh, a tremendous passive yield that could be uh, derived from literally <laughs> using derivatives um, from the Bitcoin markets. And in addition to lending the Bitcoin collateral and, and getting a rate on that. Um, so, and this is without taking market risk. This is just your Delta neutral, the price goes down, price goes up, your dollar value is safe and you're gonna get paid. You're gonna get a nice return. It's not gonna necessarily be you know, it's not going to be 180% in a year like Bitcoin did last year, right? That's the whole point. Right, that right, right. Providing right. liquidity to the market. And um, what's remarkable about this, I think, you know, because people can do this now, right? People can go to Bitfinex, they can get the USD rate, they can go to BitMax, they can hedge, um, and, and they can get that, that passive return doing it on, the, on their own. But there are currently two regulated instruments that give investors in the sort of conventional world uh, exposure to Bitcoin um, in like a legal security offering fashion. One is uh, the GBTC trust, um, and then there's the, an ETN in, uh, on the Swedish stock exchange, if I'm not mistaken, or the Nor Norwegian one, one of those. Um, so this is going to be number three, and it's going to be the first one that instead of trying to just offer you delta exposure to Bitcoin, it offers you theta exposure to Bitcoin. It offers you time value. Right, and without having to be exposed, so it's a complementary offering. And um, later, once we get, you know, we're we're trying to kind of burn a path here, set a good precedent with the regulator, and go like, okay, these are, you know, good financial products. This is not something toxic for the public. You know, and we're following protocol and so on. regulators are conservative, so even though you're in Armenia to start, it may attract the attention or you'll have a nice use case case study to show regulators in the U.S. or bigger ponds, and it may uh, morph into other instruments, you know? Yes, definitely. And um, there's a lot of possibility for the United States in particular uh, of note now that Trump's elected. It seems like pretty set in stone. The United States is the only nation in the OECD not to participate in the uh, common reporting standards framework, which is uh, they're, they're sort of global dragnet on everybody's financial privacy to make sure nobody's cheating, right? Um, right. So in principle, that sounds good. Um, and, you know, I personally, you know, I do a lot of forms to disclose all my, you know, foreign whatever. Like, it's, I do that because, you know, I take their threats seriously when they got like $10,000 penalties for that stuff. You know, I do the FBR. But apparently I'm, I'm on the minority. A lot of guys, uh, according to the IRS, only 800 people have, Put Bitcoin down on their on their trading, uh, you know, capital. Yeah, I just saw the article. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought that was funny. I'm like quick, uh, of a small minority. Quick, quick but, question. Um, yeah. Quick question about the bonds. Um, who issues them? What kind of bonds are these? There's one product. Okay, so there's uh, a company in Armenia is the regulated fund manager, and manages uh, the tokens, and then um, the funds are invested in uh, a trust 
that holds the Bitcoin and trades it. Uh, well, it doesn't trade the Bitcoin per se for dollars, but it uh, uses the Bitcoin as collateral for trading swaps primarily and, okay. and possibly futures. Um, and then a portion of the Bitcoin is held on uh, deposit on exchanges to get a to get that interest rate to get the combination of the two. Um, and then the majority of the money. So this was the regulatory compromise we had to make. Um, this is how we're approaching this application to kind of trying to like plant the flag on the moon, basically, um, rather than like building a whole base on the moon the first time, right? Is um, we're going in with 70% of the money uh, in the fund goes into uh, notes that are based on uh, secured uh, property loans in the UK. I'm working with these guys in the UK, so they have some good issuers okay. there. Um, so one's called, one's called uh, Minerva. Uh, they've got about a $100 million balance sheet, a uh, smaller one that pays more called Marcello. Um, so they're generally like involved with like small businesses. They want to like get equipment, so they'll give them a loan and the loan's secured by the equipment or it's secured by somebody's real estate. Um, you know, because conventional lending is not uh, going to get everywhere in the small business sector and so on. Um, and they've got like pretty good uh, loan to value. Uh, so there's like a good cushion there with, whereas, you know, if there was a big drop in real estate prices due to a recession, they would still be able to recover the money. And then that pays enough that if Bitcoin, because this is the regulator's point of view, if Bitcoin just went belly up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, you know, I mean, there's a fork on the horizon right now. That's the other thing. I got to deal with right, yeah. transactions. Exactly. I, I wait for confirmations. This is my life. You know, I actually, I'm, a, I'm like an enterprise <laughs> user and I'm dealing with these backlogs and all this. It's really annoying. Right, um, right, right. And obviously, you know, I've been involved with Omni. I want to see uh, a lot of transactions happening on Bitcoin. That's so, you know, I'm not I'm not going one way or the other. Um, you know, I'll probably look at some kind of speculative play as things unfold. But, um, you know, that's uncertainty, right? So from a regular's point of view, it could just blow up any day, which is not how we look at it. We look at it as like hard money, right? But that's because we're maybe I don't know about you, but I do. <laughs> Well, what about um, Overstock.com's T0 initiative? You know, they wanted, well, they have in limited form traded, uh, I guess, preferred shares of Overstock over the blockchain, and they're they're really trying to push into that market, and that's in the U.S. I mean, you can't yeah, piggyback on that true. initiative or partner with it. Well, um, yeah, you know, I haven't explored any kind of partnership um, with them. I'd be open to it, of course. Uh, really respect another Patrick out there, Patrick Byrne. Uh, very uh, interesting. You know, I love I love iconoclastic capitalists. You know, I aspire to be as iconoclastic and, and as much of a capitalist as I can be. So I'm all about it. Um, what I what I think happens with like with them and like I used to talk to uh, Terror Exchange a lot. Uh, you remember Terror Exchange? They were a U.S. No, onshore swaps. Yeah, they 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 became a registered swaps uh, clearing platform, and um, I was trying to look into doing market making there. Um, and it was like you had to have $10 million in capital, or if you were a hedger, it would be $1 million. And it's, you know, the regulations choked off their ability to get a, a snowball of volume that in any exchange business depends on, whether it's centralized or decentralized. So right. I think with T0, it's true, they did actually set the precedent of issuing a, a bond, and um, I'm not aware of it having significant volume, and I'm not aware of it having a lot of product offerings to come on board. So maybe the problem they ran into was like the chicken and egg problem of 
getting trading activity. So my yeah. approach to, to getting around that in general, um, like I did some stuff for the foundation recently. I, I, I'm going to release a, uh, I don't know if it'll be in a node package form or, or whatever, but I'm going to release some open source code for a trading system that people can run on a server and it trades against MadeSafe, for example, on Poloniex and on the DEX um, or other coins that we have. Uh, so it allows you to do this kind of arbitrage uh, strategy. And um, um, okay, well, all right. So, so, so moving on from yeah. the um, the Bitcoin yield yeah. work. Well, the, the uh, idea any other well, project with Bitcoin that, uh, yield and with what I was just describing, the idea there is basically trying to leverage off of existing markets with existing liquidity in order to bootstrap. Um, so in the case of uh, blockchain yield. I'm going to exchanges that have, at this point, the most volume, uh, and therefore, you know, this could potentially scale to be multi-million dollar funds and so on, um, and still put out these, these big numbers. Um, so I think also with, with some other stuff that I'll, I'll get into in a minute, it, it carries the same theme. Um, so we're also trying to do uh, a project to bring U.S. stocks onto the Bitcoin blockchain directly, kind of going in parallel to the, uh, you know, what Patrick Byrne was trying to do. Um, and then later in the year after that, we want to do uh, a development cycle for decentralized futures, right? So it's the same idea. You've got these liquid markets, you know, how many dollars a, a day does AAPL trade, right? Or NFLX or Euro USD or, you know, the gold market. Like these are all huge markets. Any professional market maker can try to stake a business of trading against these markets to hedge and providing liquidity, um, which could initially be like a pretty big margin and then gets more competitive and the whole thing snowballs. Um, so that's kind of the overall plan that we're executing right now. Uh, we've got a sponsorship deal currently in uh, the sort of late discussion phases uh, with a major US uh, stock transfer agent. Um, so the idea there, and this was this was Patrick Burns' crusade. So I'm I'm kind of trying to take the ball a little further down the field. Um, right. He was upset that people didn't really own their stocks in name, right? That when you buy stock with a broker, in street it's name, actually right. right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you. Um, so why not just go ahead and create um, an identity verification system? You've got some kind of third party. Um, that's claiming, you know, that they verified AML data on you. So you can stack up whatever reputation economy ecosystem from that that you want and uh, represent people's identity associated with addresses. And then we're going to have a type of smart property that isn't a bearer asset like Bond is, where you can just send it around, trade it for whatever asset, um, and then it's pseudonymously held until it's time to redeem the tethers or, or redeem the bond, right? Then you have to, you, you interact with the AML layer at that point. But what we're talking about would add an AML layer or a KYC layer, if you prefer, right on to the data footprint of the blockchain um, and then have a class of tokens that are restricted just to those addresses. So we can have a legal merging, if you will, of you know, traditional stock registry with decentralized exchange trading. And the potential volumes from that, uh, you know, we're going to try to get um, trustees lined up 
where people can transfer shares over um, through this agent, and then we'll end up having tokens conveyed onto the blockchain. So people can start porting over their tokens, they could post them up for sale, maybe at a higher price, then global capital that would normally not be able to access U.S. stock exposure in this way can now do so, they pay a little premium, and uh, you know people can make a business trading that. Uh, and I think it could be huge. Like made safe trading is, you know, a million dollars a day, maybe half a million, maybe a million and a half. So if we grab like 10% of that market, it's interesting. But right. if we grab, you know, um, basis points of global stock, of, of U.S. stock trading, it would be a really, uh, really big splash. So okay. pretty excited about that. Well, since you have to be aware of um, market conditions and, you know, what's going on with, with cryptocurrencies and regulation, you know, I know no one knows for sure, but what's your guess on what's going to happen with uh, Bitcoin this year and maybe a few other top cryptos that uh, you may be closely following? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a wacky Wednesday every week, it seems like, uh, in Bitcoin. <laughs> and I've been a trader for, you know, the past three, four years. Uh, so I've lived through a lot of them. And um, I'm expecting, I'm, I'm looking at paring down my Bitcoin exposure even more. Uh, to like maybe like zero net market exposure and seeing what happens with this um, Bitcoin unlimited fork. Uh, that's a big, big lightning rod. And ultimately I support any kind of chaotic free market uh, comp competitive process. You know, I think, um, you know, there's, there's going to be chaos short term, but then the long term you get to, you get to see the expression of the best. Um, so that's like, you know, next couple of quarters, there's a big, murky thing there and with the etf being denied which i think is completely reasonable given that these markets are, are slop city i mean there was a spike yeah. you know it went from like uh 1180 it spiked up to like 1300 the bitmex uh, quarterly future went all, briefly in a minute went up to 1500 just because of the uh, sheer enthusiasm and then somebody on bitfinex sold like 100 bitcoins it went down all the way to 1080 and then bounced and then, of course, they denied it, and, they, and we've seen a similar kind of uh, roller coaster ride. So, you know, where's the where's the structure, right? So back when we had the good old OKCoin, OK Hubi, uh, BTCC complex in China, right? Um, right? And there was just all this zero-fee arbitrage of Bitcoin cycling through, and there was a lot of one that wasn't just long Bitcoin that was trying to capture the blockchain yield of its day, basically. Um, where they had the, the, the market for money was fixed. The price of the money was fixed at like 10 basis points a day, 0.1%. Um, and you had to qualify to get in and lend. So they kind of set up this uh, shadow banking system to fund the Bitcoin trade and get this risk-free rate off of it. And then when that got taken away, everything got, it was a complete mess. Um, yeah. And the uh, contracts on BitMAX, and on OKCoin went into extreme backwardation from having an extreme premium. It was like hysterical, you know, just bipolar, you know, take a picture of it, put a, you know, take a screen cap, then put it in the dictionary. Um, and once that backwardation on BitMEX got resolved with this recent leg up, when we got back to 1200 and some change, um, that kind of, I think that you saw the volume on BitMEX also go up. So I think that was like the supremacy moment. Like they had one last year when Bit, uh, Bitfinex got hacked and they suddenly jumped an order 
order of magnitude in, in about a week in volume, and they got right. another one. So now they're kind of trying to systematize this uh, sort of informal shadow banking of time value of money river that was going on. Um, and they're creating this, they're, they're amplifying this other river of money that's, you know, it's not fully regulated, right? They're under Hong Kong, they're registered in Seychelles. Um, you know, you can limit your exposure to them if you don't trust them. I've met them and I think they're awesome. And like, you know, I, I, I met, you know, I met the Bitfinex guys too. I trust them. They just had operational problem with multi-sig. I don't think, which I think they'll uh, right. avoid. Right. I don't think they'll make the same mistake twice. Um, and they, and they handle, I mean, they bounce back from that really well too. So you can say a lot about them, but they, they made a, a good thing yeah. out of, of a bad thing. So this is the new market. Well, what do you think? Um, yeah, what do you think this year the big the big forces are going to be that are going to move things? I mean, it, you know, China seems like it's strangling itself in terms of volume and uh, you know and trust and everything, not allowing people to withdraw. Um, right. There's a potential well, so I lived for in Argentina. This, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, really? Sorry. Yeah, I lived in Argentina. Yeah, I just wanted your so comments. Just, uh, they're big Argentina. They're just Argentina with like a little bit more discipline, I guess. You know, they're not very <laughs> disciplined. <laughs> in Argentina, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's easy to take cracks at Argentina, but, um, anyways, it was a mess, you know, I was living under the capital controls, and it was, like, hard capital controls, people, businesses couldn't even get, get their quotas, which is happening now, they've been flustering everybody's legal venues with, you know, bureaucracy, so what they do, the whole game plan for these big socialist governments, or whatever you want to call them, these sort of left-wing authoritarian type, um, and, and in China, they're a little bit more intense in the authoritarian direction as well. So they're almost, I call them like neo-Maoist, you know, with this, it's like the, the counterpart to whatever Donald Trump represents, you know. And um, right. they are buying time, you know, so that's their whole game plan. It's like they can't, you know, synthesize value. But what they can do is they can try to kind of comb everybody's feathers over, toss them a bone. So it might be like, oh, uh, like in Argentina, um, you know, the black market rate would shoot up and then the government would periodically go, oh, well, we're going to offer like 3% a month interest, uh, which, by the way, you can get almost in some days, uh, some months, you can get in dollars from this this passive Bitcoin stuff that I've been talking about. But, um, you know, they'll offer something like that in pesos. People go for it. So they suck the pesos out of the system. It goes back. So China has the same kind of duck and weave game. Um, and they have ducked a fair bit. Now they're weaving. They're trying to buy time until October. And uh, that's when they do their national Congress and they set the policy standards. Um, so meanwhile, the Fed's raising rates. Um, there's this whole, you know, everything is valued based on interest rates. This is kind of like the underlying theme. So central banking is, is starting to lose its grip on defining that conversation. And um, for the Chinese, they're in this game theoretic finger trap, if you will. Um, where if they, you know, if they pull, then they, they rip on the value. So they haven't pulled forever because they ripped down the value of their, their reserve assets, right? And they use the reserve assets to fund this big, you know, export-driven economy trade deficit scheme. Um, or it's the other way around. But you get the idea. That's, you have to... I just you know, laugh picturing the, uh, the, the chairman of a Chinese finger trap or all the, the heads of the, uh, the party in finger traps. Yeah, that would be great for like a nice meme, right? You could have like Janet Yellen on one side of the table. You could have, uh, you know, Chinese uh, People's Bank governor. I should know his last name off the top of my head. It sounds smart, but I don't. And yeah, they could be, uh, you know. You as long as he doesn't know your last name, that's better. Yeah, right. Well, 
Yeah. Um, well, you know, so, you know, we're not like specifically trying to break laws in any jurisdiction or anything. So not right, too right, worried right, about right. that. Yeah. I'm not, a, I, I got to worry enough about just being a U.S. citizen has a lot of overheads. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's interesting, right? Like with the way that things are going politically, there's going to be more, I think, of this uh, confederation of capital principle where wealthy people, let's say, for example, in China, confederate their funds, if you will, away, you know, into a Wyoming tax sheltered LLC structure or whatever it is, and own assets that way. And uh, the blockchain fits in. So the United States, it seemed like, was positioning to be um, almost kind of like a fifth generation warfare base for supporting Bitcoin through its banking system. And and so far, you know, you're you're seeing a lot of progress with Gemini and GDAX. You know, they're like about a million dollars a day, or I think GDAX has gotten up to three, four. So it's decent, you know. I mean, it's something, and the flow can okay. slowly build up, and the professionals can come in. You know, people like me. Hopefully, I, I eat a lot of this meal before other people jump in on it. Um, and then we're going to see stronger, tighter market liquidity in Bitcoin. And then you might see the U.S. You might see the SEC approve something. Meanwhile, this year, I think we're going to see ETFs come out um, in other jurisdictions. So I've been working also with Brave New Coin, uh, who's a very active company in this space. And um, the, lately, they've been doing a lot of uh, crowd sale infrastructure marketing support. Um, but they also do media and they do uh, informatics. And so I've been working with them on uh, indexes. So I did a Bitcoin liquidity index that looks at things like market depth and other indicators to kind of get a qualitative average price on Bitcoin. Um, okay. And now I'm working on uh, an index for, I call it the alt beta 20, where you have 20 assets and there's a quarterly reevaluation. And um, I don't want to get into too much mechanical stuff, but basically it's going to be the basis for a potential ETF structure. Uh, we might do something in Armenia following bonds approval if, as that door opens up to kind of get the foot out on it. But um, there are, I would say, between Oceania and Europe, there's a very good probability that we'll see a Bitcoin ETF come out this year uh, or at least be announced. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe, you know, maybe the pipelines, you know, takes end quarters to get it all through. But um, yeah, because it, it isn't actually that difficult. It's just the SEC makes it extra difficult. Um, and I think it had to do with uh, a rule about what kind of things can be listed. And if uh, a commodity trust of some kind, I'm, I'm not sure what the specific rule was, but other countries are, are more flexible. Um, and there are, you know, there's a lot of legacy financial parties interested. And actually, the real question is, is Ethereum going to beat Bitcoin to it, right? And start to take off to 200 bucks or whatever, right? And, and like, if you have, let's say that um, Bitcoin Core is currently I mean, priced, it, if there was a... When you say beat it in terms of market cap or beat it in terms of, uh, yeah. of having an ETF? Well, both, right? Because one follows the okay. other. So, you know, so there's a risk of that. Like, Bitcoin's hegemony is, is imperiled. And I say this having... Yes cast my lot with Bitcoin by and large so far in my career, because I do believe it's legit technology, but um, it's, not in, uh, it's, it's not impervious to uh, usurpation, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. If it doesn't change and grow and adapt, you know, there's now competitors nipping at its heels. Dash has come up, um, you know, Ethereum, then, you know, it survived several forks, stronger, it's being more widely adopted. So, yeah, definitely.
Yeah, but I think that whatever blockchain ultimately ends up becoming uh, the supreme or the top two or the top three or what have you, and, and stealth kind of has its own place, the computational uh, use case has its own place. So, you know, I can see that. I mean, it's happening now, right? So, great. Um, but they're all going to need to provide uh, useful financial products, right? Either something, yeah, if it's a smart contract that adds a layer of, you know, it's a little more interesting because, you know, you have this greater amount of trust. But the truth is that, um, you know, in most jurisdictions, um, people can be regulated and then you can like kind of trust that you're going to get your money back one way or another. So um, I'm trying to innovate in that gray area between fully decentralized and traditional uh, financial service. Um, and I believe that the health of the financial markets on a given blockchain will ultimately determine its transaction volume, its mining profitability, um, and, and its overall health and success. Okay. So, yeah, we've, co we've covered a lot of ground. Um, <clears throat> I think we'll wrap up. Uh, just a couple of questions. So what, you know, I know, you know, no one wants to give advice, but um, any recommendations for folks that perhaps want to interact with you, partner with you, learn from what you're doing? Um, how can they get access to you and, you know, just to talk to you about, uh, you know, JVs or whatever it may be, you know, learnings, sure. any consulting, so, that kind of thing? Um, yeah. So if anybody is interested in um, sponsorship, um, doing specific kinds of uh, financial contracts at the protocol level in Omni, uh, you can reach out to me at um, Patrick at Omni.Foundation. And then um, if you're interested in becoming an affiliate for Blockchain Yield, we do have an affiliate program that we're starting um, where we're going to be cutting people in for some percentage of, of their sales and um, you know probably have some cool incentive kickers on that so it gets a bigger percentage as you go um so uh you can reach out at uh, patrick at blockchain yield.com uh, if you're interested in a business relationship in that regards or uh if you have questions about investing and um uh yeah i also uh have a twitter uh, my handle is uh at duganist and um i, I do tweet on a semi-regular basis how do you spell your Twitter handle? Just so people get it right. Oh, D U G N I S T. Okay, gotcha. All right. All right, very good. Um, like I said, uh, you're a real maverick, uh, going into places <laughs> where people are either afraid or um, well, just aren't going. So I think there's a lot to be learned know, from uh, what we talked about. Yeah, you know, ever since I was like a kid, like 12 years old, with the long hair and the Nirvana T-shirt and everything, and you know, I like to be like a nonconformist, but as I've matured, as I've aged, um, you know, I look at people like Cody Wilson, who I'm a big fan of, but Cody loves to like be the lightning rod, you know? And yeah. so what I'd, what I'd like to stress that I've tried to walk a path of, of, you know, intelligently observing regulatory power and negotiating with it in a more like sincere way and following kind of a middle path between being a complete maverick and like not, you know, being a pioneer at all, which of course, being a pioneer is super fun, and uh, these products are breaking ground, and I hope um, you know will ultimately be uh, will ultimately help a lot of people more than I mean obviously I have a profit motive right, but um, I like the idea that a guy in Ghana who's dealing with the deflating SETI, the real inflating SETI, devaluing exchange rate, 
um, can save his money in dollars and get a 20% yield and be able to make a plan for himself because he has that option. Um, or that a guy in Japan uh, who is you know, a millennial and he's struggling to save up enough money, saves like five grand a year and he wants to get up to like 50 to get married. And um, it's like, if he knew that he could get a safe return at a certain rate, then the number that he needs to accomplish his goals drops from 50K to 30K, right? Or, or maybe less. Right. And, um, you know, that's what this the whole Bitcoin jam is all about, I think, is just uh, not just decentralizing money, but decentralizing uh, the power that it, it gives people. That's my, like, okay. MTR well, very good. cap off, yeah. Well, very good, Patrick. Thanks for your time. It's been, uh, like I said, a wide-ranging and good interview. So thank you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.